The PlayStation. I mean, come on now. Yeah, this is, I mean, don't be ridiculous. Come on now. And welcome back to another episode of the Refactor Podcast, the show where we try and help ourselves and you suck just a little bit less every day. My name is Frank Cole. And my name is Chris Tonkinson. And this is episode 70. Gosh, we're getting old. <laughs> recorded you are. On, <laughs> you are. Uh, recorded on May 31st, 2022. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, I have to uh, apologize for the... Um, the weird look of my skull at the moment. Um, yes, I don't you're. Think, I don't know if you knew this, but your skull is um, out. Weird, yeah. So um, I don't think I mentioned this to you or really anyone. Not because I was hiding it. I just didn't make mention of it. Uh, this past week, I I uh, did something I had been planning to do for a long time and got, uh, I did hair transplant surgery. So I have been, uh, I got my dad's genes I've been balding on top, slowly been thinning. I've been fighting the good fight for years, but um, I, I, was, uh, I finally reached a point uh, both um, in terms of hair loss and in terms of um, financial stability that it's something that I could do. And so um, mm-hmm. this past Friday, I got it done. Um, so I'm leaving the camera off or I'm, I'm, I'm leaving the hat off for you. Um, but uh, when I go out and about, I'm, I'm wearing ball caps. One, it looks ridiculous. Um, as you can, as you can tell, like the front of it just looks absolutely silly right now. Um, but, uh, but two, I have to keep it out of the sun. So I'm going to be wearing right, a lot of ball, right. ball caps for the next couple of months. Um, so yeah, something so, I, so something I have, I, did. I have two questions. So, sure. so it does have a little bit of like an eighties movie villain vibe to it <laughs> visually, <laughs> visually wise. You're such a jerk. <laughs> But also, like, like genuinely curious, like, how does that work? Like, what is, like, what is the, pro- like, how does it, if you're okay, I don't want to. No, 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 it's fine. It I, up, so I figure it's hey, game. I'm the one who opened the, I opened the can of worms. It's, it's fine. I, I you know, um, it's not that I'm, it's, it's not that I am hiding it. I, I, I think people who hide this kind of stuff are ridiculous because everyone knows. Um, mm-hmm. But I think. I, I do, I do understand people not, not wanting to show off the, the, the initial aftermath. You want to see it mm-hmm. when it's done, right? You but know, before so, and after picture, not yeah, the intra, not picture, the right? not the in the middle, not the transition yeah. picture, right? Because the in the middle looks, as you can tell, just ridiculous. So, um, so what they do, uh, there are a couple. There are two different ones that you can do. Um, one of them actually takes a. They actually cut a flap of skin off the back of your head with all the follicles in that skin. Close that close that gap and then they pull the individual follicles out of that skin and then reinsert them. The nice thing about that. So that's, that's one thing I didn't do that one. Um, Mm -hmm. The other one that they do is a, um, they extract individual hair follicles from around the, the back and sides of your head, uh, Mm -hmm. like not the top of your head um, and then reinsert them into the thinning areas on the top of your head. Um, right. So, uh, you may not, a lot of people don't know that there is, um, nobody is ever actually fully 100% bald. You always grow hair on the sides and the back of your head. If you Mm -hmm. thin, you thin on the top. So anyone who is totally, anyone who's totally 100% chrome dome, um, they're shaving the sides and back of their head. 
because those hairs always grow. Um, right. So that's a good thing. Those hairs always grow. So they they pull them from gotcha. there and place them on the top of your on the top of your head. Um so so you cut, so it winds it has the effect of thinning the side and back a little to correct. balance it out more. Right. And you've got thickness gotcha. in the back and sides that you know you it hides thickness. those <laughs> it hides it hides them in the um you know when your hair grows in. Um right. right. So uh, it's a long ass procedure. Um I was in Is there it? at I was in there at eight AM and I was out of there at five. And it was oh, wow. it was pretty much the entire time. Yes. Like that's intense. I took I mean like there are breaks. You stand up, mm-hmm. you stretch, they give you some lunch. Remember this is cosmetic surgery, so you know it's you know it's fairly so it's white actually, glove. Yeah, right. It's actually white glove. <laughs> they they take good care of you. Um, mm-hmm. um you're sitting in a chair the whole time. Um, this particular place had Netflix and you just kind of, you know, watch wherever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, so what did you watch? Uh, God, um, a lot of stand-up comedy. <laughs> I did a lot of stand-up mm-hmm. comedy, at least, especially for the first half of the day. Cause the first half I was actually on my, on my bat, on my face and on my side because I was looking down so that they could stand over me and do the extractions, right. like pulling it out of mm-hmm. the back and sides of your head. And then during the rest of the day, during the insertions, I was sitting upright in the, in the chair. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a bunch of stand-up comedy. Um, and uh, uh, numb you all over and, uh, you know, start pulling things out. Um, it's, it's odd sounds. So it's this odd sensation. It's not, I, I wouldn't say, I mean, I'm not squeamish, but I think even squeamish people, it wasn't, I don't think it was bad. I don't think it was too bad. Um, I think the the most um, the weirdest part was listening to them. Um, this was something I didn't realize until we got started. They don't actually insert the hairs into, I don't know, dead hair follicles like ones that mm-hmm. they actually cut new holes and, and put then implant the hair the follicle into in, the, oh, in, under the surface. I didn't realize that, and so mm-hmm. when they're to to set things up, like um, they actually you know punch a hole for each individual hair. That was probably the weirdest sound because you could actually hear and feel it. And it was like this, it was a little squishy. It was a little, you know, that was a little weird, but uh, you know, it didn't, it didn't make me queasy. Um, and, uh, they had a rotation of like six people, um, because there are, um, I did 2000 hair follicles. Well, that's 2000 individual hairs extracted. 2000 wow. individual hairs inserted. So they have this rotation of people that, that go in and, and, you know, only certain people, you know, do the whole layouts. And then they have a, a whole bunch of specialists and they just rotate as their hands get tired, they take a break. And so mm-hmm. I'm just sitting there and just, this, this, it's just this conveyor belt of people to, um, right. to come in and, and do it. Now so. my, my wife, um, my wife got LASIK some years actually seven years ago um had horrible horrible vision oh yeah i remember Um, she wore coke cans (laughs) they were it was it was pretty she was basically blind without the the glasses um and so she got lasik done and this was in this is the very end of 2015 okay and so um the the joke uh and now she's got what's because her vision was like 
2420 or something. Oh I don't know gosh. what the numbers are, right? <laughs> um, or 2400 or whatever the whatever the wrong yeah, 20, ordering yeah, is. Yeah, it's a, um, yeah, 2400. Um, but now it's like she's got like 2015 vision, right? Yeah. Um, she's got super coincidentally, <laughs> coincidentally was done in the year 2015. So my joke with her is always like, oh, you got the old, you got to upgrade, you know, you got the old 2015 model now, <laughs> you know? Um, and that joke worked like the next week because it was seriously like the week after Christmas or something. And then, and then in January, I could start with the joke. So nice. I'm going to, you, you got 2000 and that was like 20 years ago. So I'm going to, there's a joke <laughs> formulating like at some point. I'll let just, you work on that. So what you're saying gotta, is you I have an workshop insult coming. Bit. Yeah, you'll workshop an insult yeah. of my of my head. I got you. Okay. Yeah. You, I don't want you know. <clears> I'm just you giving you fa- you know fair warning. Fair right? warning. We can I, hey, each I other appreciate long it. enough. Because no. once I get it right, I'm gonna get mileage out of it. One, if there's one thing we talk about a lot about on the Refactor podcast, it's about level setting expectations with you know your coworkers yeah. and your team. And so really, that's he, all you're I, doing. That's all you're. I doing. had a conversation the other day with one of my one of my business partners, and it's like if we. Like here's here's my outlook, and I'm going to keep you updated on this outlook every every week or two, or as often as we keep touch, so that you know where we're going and where we're headed. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we wind up getting done early, um, that may be a little bit of a surprise. Like nobody nobody complains about a good surprise, right? What I want is that if things get cloudier, if the outlook gets cloudier, and we're trending red, mm-hmm. and we're going to make we're going to have a miss, I. I never want there to be a bad surprise. That's that's one of the core like pillars of my management style is yep. up, down, and sideways. I try to avoid bad surprise. Bad things, bad news will come. People, I find, uh, there is a there is a chasm between when they when they know it's coming, or when they get blindsided with it. Right, um, because then they have time mentally and emotionally to prepare for it. They have time to physically, logistically prepare for the miss, to communicate the miss to whoever else needs. I mean, all of this other stuff happens that um, you never want to. You never want a bad surprise. So, uh, yeah. So, in, in the name of of communication, I, I just I don't yeah. want any bad surprises. That's very nice of you. I had to put the hat back on. So my head is itchy as hell. Is is, is just it? oh my gosh. Oh. It's, it's, Oh, I can it's see that. It's, like a, it's 2000 paper cuts it's, and they uh, itch yes. like a mother and they, and they each itch and you can't touch them. And so, um, so I'm going to be wearing a lot of hats. Um, and, and how long will the full like recovery? Is it couple like a week, couple of months? Yeah. I mean, you won't, st- <clears throat> excuse me. Um, the hair doesn't start to grow for several months. Um, mm-hmm. they say you're sort of fully done at about a year. So it, it's, it's a long process for the, for the hair growth. Um, the, you know, initial surgery trauma type stuff. Yeah. Within a month. Um, I, I had to sit, I had to sleep upright for the first two nights. I can sleep, I can sleep laying down now. Um, I can't work out this week. Um, mm-hmm. you know, no strenuous activity. And at first I was like, what are you talking about? This is a strenuous activity. This is ridiculous. Um, and then I, did. You took out the trash and your skull started throbbing. Well, I did something. I forget what. It was something pretty innocuous, and it didn't hurt. But like, yes, like I, I felt the throbbing throughout my yeah. scalp area. It was it was a very weird sensation, and so that was okay. All right, fine, I get it. So I have to. So no workouts for a week, and then um, you know the the, the scabs start to they're starting to fall out now. I mean, they're, they're really tiny. So if you think about a tiny cut, 
you know, it scabs yeah. over and the scab falls off really, really fast. And so that's, that's happening now. And so we're going through it. it is itchy as all get out. Oh my gosh. Um, can't touch it. And right. I can't touch it. I can, I can gently, it, I can wash my hair though, but I can't wash it directly. It's got to be a very light stream and I can pat shampoo in there, but the water helps loosen those up too. So, so showers feel excellent right now. <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, it's really, the first two weeks are probably the most, uh, uncomfortable and it just sort of progressively gets better from there. Um, but yeah, not going to see results for several months. So I'm going to be, I'm going to have a haircut like, um, well, well, like yours for the next couple of, <laughs> for the next couple of months. Yeah. I'm start. I'm start. I can tell, uh, I get a little bit of thinning. It's been very slow, but now the last, last couple of years, I can see the grays popping in there yeah and i got uh when i was down with the rona i just you know didn't wasn't sh- which i always i'm always shaved you like are I always clean i don't shaving. grow anything yeah. um uh but i had like a week's worth of growth and i saw how much gray uh is on my chin now i was like oh okay <laughs> that's a that's happening my wife says that she spots grays i don't think i'm being willfully ignorant but like she shows me the grays and i'm like that's not a gray what are you talking about you know I think my wife, she wants them. I think she wants them to be there just so that she can, I don't know, some, some sort of twisted glee that she can rib me about it. I don't know, but I don't, I don't, I don't see much, much gray yet. Um, I said, well, I mean, I just got hair surgery. I don't see much of anything in a lot of places. So (laughs) as I'm given to understand that about 50% of people are about 50% gray by age 50. That's like the, Mm -hmm. the, you know, yep. So we'll see how this goes. Um, but, um, yeah, ex- excited to, um, you know, it, my, uh, the decision process for me was, was pretty simple. It was, um, it, it wasn't that, I mean, I wanted hair, but the thing is like, as you lose hair and you, you, you don't get a choice in styling, like, like, like you don't get to do anything up there. It's whatever's there and mm-hmm. that's it. Like you don't actually have, you know, like, okay, right. I can keep it where it's at and it's thinning and, or I can, you know, bick it. That's it. Like I don't have any style mm-hmm. options. I'd, I'd, I'd like to do something else, you know? So that's why I decided to go ahead and, and do it. But, um, so yeah, a lot of hats for the next couple of months, a lot of hats until it all sort of levels out. Cause right now there's sections that weren't shaved for the process that are longer than the shaved mm-hmm. sections that are almost non-existent right now. <laughs> so it looks ridiculous. It looks so, so stupid. If it, so if it doesn't start growing <laughs> for a year, then no, it grows over a year by a year. Oh, okay. You're done. You're, you're like, everything's gotcha. normalized. Like you actually have a head of hair. Um, it gotcha. starts growing at a by month three. Um, okay. But apparently the follicles enter a dormant phase where they're sort of getting resettled getting used to their new home, getting yeah. used to their new home. And then they, and then they start sprouting again. So, um, yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting, uh, interesting experience. I was definitely out of it the first night, just, you know, the, the, the trauma of the whole thing, like my head was just like, whoa, whoa. So anyway, um, but enough about that. Just some, just a uh, just a fun little uh, personal story. Um, if you're thinking about it, it's something you want to do. Um, so far, I can I can encourage it. Um, but uh, I mean, really, the reason I wanted to share it is I, I, I a lot of people get self conscious about these kinds of things. I don't think there's anything to be self 
conscious about. I mean, I don't want you to see my ridiculous haircut, but the fact that I got the surgery and why I got it, like we all get it. This is, I mean, like you're not, yeah. <laughs> like we all know, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's okay. So um, doing my part to, to remove public stigma or person, you know, yeah. personal stigma against, and, against and these kinds of things. Lead by example. Lead by example. Like, being professional doesn't mean you're not human. Exactly. Like that's, to me, that's yeah. the big thing. Like, so when I was, when I was out with the Rona, there were, there was one afternoon where I felt okay taking like a couple of calls and I called a couple of people for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sounded like death uh, and they knew it <laughs> and I knew it. And I'm like, look, you know, I'm, I've been out all week. I ain't going to be back by Monday, but like some stuff's got to get done. We're all adults here. I'm doing what I can. And, and it was right. like, it was a good, it was enough because, because there were certain things that I really did need to try to get done and I got them done. And in like the other side of that was that everybody else around me, you know, my boss, my reports, every like was really chill that, Hey, you're really out of it. And so everybody just knew like you're sick. Like it was not, wasn't a big deal. You know, you think Mm -hmm. about the modern era, like taking a week and a half, almost two weeks, like off for being, sounds like a lot. And it was I'm like still catching up to some degree, not just work, but like May Life. is when you go outside and fix the garden. And like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to catch up on all of that. And, um, but no, it was, and you know, in the meantime, there was a day where I had to watch the kids because of, you know, childcare issues, whatever. And so I took calls from the kitchen Island and there's just mayhem and boogers and jelly flying everywhere behind me. And it's like, I had my camera on, like, I'm not, you know, this is what it is, right? I'm mm-hmm. uh, like leading by example. Nobody cares what the background looks like. Nobody, like what we care about is the output. Do you contribute to the team in a healthy, productive way? That is it. At the end of the day, that's all we care about. And so like I, yep. like you, I kind of lean into those opportunities to demonstrate, A, that this is okay. Like let's normalize being a human. Being a mm-hmm. professional does not mm-hmm. mean you're some automaton. Mm-hmm. Um, and then B, be a little vulnerable, you know? Yeah. I, I, um, I, I, I like I that. that. I, I like both of those lines. Let's normalize being human and being professional. doesn't mean you stop being human. Those are both really good insights. Um, I knock millennials a lot. Technically I, well, depends on who you talk to. And we've discussed this. I do not, I do not self-identify as a millennial. I am a right. zennial. Right. I am a zennial. Just the getting micro leaning into the gray area. Micro. There. It's a, it's a, it is a, it is a micro generation between Gen X and millennial. And, uh, so I, I, I have not kind things to say about some of my millennial brethren. One of the things that I think this generation has got really, really well is this push for humanness for it. Like life is what it is and that's okay. And we should far from patching over it, pretending it doesn't exist. We should embrace it. That's a good thing. I think that's a really, yeah. really good development because I can remember, I mean, you can go back, you can look at, I mean, pop culture is, is rife with this. Go back and watch movies in the 80s, early 90s. Anything yeah. in a business setting, very mm-hmm. buttoned up, very polished. You could, you know, I mean, a lot of the premises of the movies were based on, you know, you're putting on this face at work while crap is just going down in your personal life. Mm -hmm. Like that was, that was just part of the, it's just, you know, you, you, you kept all that 
out, out of the picture. And there is a time and a place for, you know, the boundaries and things like that. But, you know, I, I thought it was a little, you know, our, our move in the direction of just more openness and more relaxedness and more humanness, I think is a good thing. So that's one thing that I would say millennials have gotten right. So, um, one of the few, one of the few, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I had, excuse me, fighting off some kind of, um, allergies, I think today. Yeah. There's one, uh, there's one other thing. It's talking about history. I have a fun, uh, interlude. That, oh. um, I saw it. I saw a tweet this morning, and I'll I'll link it. But said, or woman, I don't know. Person says your browser uses so much more RAM than it took to go to the moon because a good general purpose multilingual text and graphics layout engine is, in fact, harder than going to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Gruck, who's a, a figure in the like the infosec uh, opsec space, he goes. Also, the moon is monochrome and the web is in true color. <laughs> and the, the rest of the thread, though, is just choice. Like there's one guy that says, oh, and also yeah, the Apollo program was better engineered than anything ever written in JavaScript. <laughs> so we can get our JavaScript sucks tag for the episode. Yeah, like I'll, I'll link the thread. It's a good it's a fun read. There's all, right, all, there's, it up. there's people that are being the actually guy, right? Of course, but there's some good, there's some good. There's always, there's always the actually guy. The, the, the yeah. actually guy is annoying. Like, yes, we well, know. Obvious, of course. Yes. I mean, yes, of course you're right. But come on, get with it. Um, that's the right, but no, that's <clears> the right. That's everybody's reaction to the actually guys. Like, I, yes, I get it. You know, kind of like pat yes, him on his head. Like, yes, yes you're, you're not wrong, but come on. Like we're having some fun here. But sh- like, shut up. Right. Yeah. Shut your yes, mouth. Yes, we get it. But also shut your mouth. That's right. That's right. Um, all right. So I have, um, I was, I was scrolling back through. So I keep a, a list of, of discussion stuff and mm-hmm. I realized it had gotten really, really long. And so I was scrolling back through some of it. Um, there was one I missed. Uh, follow-up for a few months back um, that I wanted to go through. Have I ever shared with you my leadership read me? Have you ever had, have I ever shown you that leadership before? Leadership read me. No, leadership read me. No, I never showed this to you. Okay. So this was something I picked up at my last job. Um, it's, um, it's an idea uh, that you, it is exactly what it sounds like. It's a read me file about your leadership style. And it is. I'm a, instantly intrigued, and I'm going to build one of these, even it, though I have no idea what it is or where it's going. I I know what it is. And oh, where you're it's gonna, going, and I love it. Oh, you're going to build one because uh, not only are we gonna, we're we're going to do it right now, so it's going to be transcripted for you, so you can just copy it down after we're done here. Oh gosh. So, so um, so I have it. Uh, mine's on GitHub. We can link it in the show notes. Um, it's open okay. source. It's just a README Markdown document uh, in its own repository. And it's just a series of Q and A questions. Um, it is, a, it's actually uh, a series of questions that you should ask or that somebody built as your first one-on-one questions. So if you go into, so if you are a manager, here are the questions with your new employee that you ask in your first one-on-one. One that they're on board, here are the things you go through. And it's all so about, this. So this came from this. This came from somewhere else, and the questions are prescribed. Like there is a specific. Yeah. So um, I'm going to give credit to um, 
You've credit to this guy, Gary Foster, who uh, worked at my previous uh, employer uh, uh, company. Uh, was called New Context. They're they're um, they've been like since liquidated, so I don't I don't mind talking about them. Um, Gary predated me at the company. He had actually passed away, unfortunately and unexpectedly, uh, a few months before I joined. Um, he was a manager at the company, and he had he had this. This was this was his. Um, he, he wrote this up as a GitHub repository, and then he shared it with everyone who, who needed to see it. And he basically answered his own first one-on-one questions. And then he would use them with new employees as the first one-on-one question. It's beautiful. Like it's, it's a, it's a perfect layout. He borrowed the idea from someone. If you go through my search history, you can find the original source. It's in there somewhere in the version history. Um, you know, so it came from somewhere, um, but he wrote them up himself and then published it. That was his idea. And so, you know, this is the, the Gary Foster leadership read me. Um, and it's just a series of questions about how you work and how you lead and your, your, your operating style. It's, it's pretty cool. So um, I use it every time I go into, um, I, I have shared this in job applications. I've shared it on, on, on job apps. Every time I go into a new team, excuse me, share it with the new team. Um, when I have new managers, I have them write one and then share it with their team. And so that, you know, it oh, propagates okay. down. Like it's, it's good stuff. It's really, really good stuff. So, um, it's, uh, so I'm going to walk through it. I will give you my answers. Um, or how do you want to do this? I can give you the question and then you can answer. No, no, that's or fine. Then you can give us, you, you can give us can the give question. You my answer. And then you can give, you can give us answer. the question and then give us your wrong answer. That's we can okay. do that way. That's fine. <laughs> I think negative as well as positive examples are good for folks. You know, you know, I see people. I see the word games you're playing here. Give us the wrong answer. Like you are putting yourself with the majority in the right. I see what you did there. But I mean, we we have, of course, both know that that's a full, that that's a fallacy. The us is on my side of the fence. And then you are sitting there off by yourself with whatever ridiculous concoctions you've come up with. Uh, I'm sorry. A, you done yet? You're such a jerk. All right. Um, I try. So uh, it starts with leadership philosophy, just like a general tweet style synopsis of what your leadership philosophy is. Um, I, um, I, I'm not going to read my stuff verbatim here, but uh, you know, my, my focus is really about uh, empowering individuals to, with the freedom and authority to get things done. Anyone who's listened to the show knows that I talk about that a lot. That sense of agency, like when you own it, when you when you hold it, you're going to do better work. You're going to feel better for it. Um, it's, you know, one of the best things I can do as a leader is basically to stay out of your way. So mm-hmm. that's really what mine boils down to. Um, do you want to take a crack at your leadership philosophy in a tweet style? Um, I think for me, I am people focused. And I think when you hire people that you trust and you simply need to point them in the right direction and get out of their way. And I think my directs, like I, I, I see, all right, let me revise this on the fly. Don't know my job. It. You if, get to if write this it is later. Being You'll get to write it. Down no, no. Later. Yeah. But, but if, but if, <laughs> but to really, to try to get pithy about it, like if this is being delivered as a document for my directs, right, that's the mm-hmm. idea here. And that is the idea. You would share this link whenever and wherever then, you want. Then my leadership philosophy is like, my job is to make yours a success. Mm, okay. All right. Uh, my, you know. That's good. Mine closes with the line, 
Some of the greatest ideas follow the comment. We've never done things like that around here before. All right. Here's the actual questions. Question one. Actually, I, oh man, do I have any music for this? I'll have to see. All right. I'm going to see if I can find some good, like background music for this that we can do. Yeah. Very smooth. That could have been an inside thought and you could have just done it post and then you wouldn't have looked like an unprepared schlub. I bet. But you know, this way works too. I'm, you know, I'm okay with yeah, it. Uh, yeah, but this is okay too. You know, I mean, you do you. You do, you, you do you. This is fine. That's right. This is fine. <laughs> but that's just me. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Question one. What makes you grumpy? What makes me grumpy? In a professional uh, setting. Hearing that's not my job. Ooh, good one. Nice. Okay. I mean, I, we're just going to get hot takes here. So yeah, I'm, this I'm is not, hot takes yeah, and, and the these hip. answers are supposed to be short and sweet. So that's fine. This is good. All right. That's good. Uh, I, for me, it was identifying a problem and then not being allowed or able to fix it because mm. reasons, usually because politics reasons. or, you know, Some whatever. Bureaucracy nonsense. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> question two, how will I know I, as your manager, how will I know when you are feeling grumpy? Oh, mm-hmm. you probably, you probably won't. My wife always makes fun of me because I have, uh, what is it? Like the t-shirts, like the 24 faces of Darth Vader and they're uh-huh. happy, sad, grumpy, whatever. They're all exactly the same because it's, that's what my wife tells me all the time. She's like, I don't know what you, I don't know what you got going. Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you mad? Like, what do you, and in my head, I'm not even, I have like resting uh, brain dead face or something. I just don't give off a whole lot. I don't know. <laughs> So, so I'm not going to know, like, you're not going to advertise Man, yeah. it in any way, shape, matter, or form. I have You've got a I have poker been, face. No, that's, that's not true. I think, I think I have been told that I get quieter when I'm like upset. Hmm. Okay. But like if I'm, if I'm more quiet than usual, which I think for folks that maybe don't know me as well is kind of tough to distinguish. Okay. I don't know. All right. So, so for your manager, it would be pretty hard to pick up on some super subtle cues, which yeah. reinforces why this is useful. You go through this exercise, that person knows, so they're going to have to check in with you more yeah. regularly until they, you know, the relationship sort of dials in. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, question three, how can I help you when you're grumpy? Cheeseburgers. Oh, food. Okay. Yeah. Like, like go out for like, like a meal. So legitimately, right. I, I recognize this about, it's not, I'm not proud of it, but I, I do, I, I will eat my emotions. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I am owning you, you fat, bald bastard. <laughs> yep. That's it. Um, all right. So, uh, for me, um, Oh, I didn't answer the last one. Uh, how how will you know when I'm grumpy? Um, I'll usually say something. And my wife says it's usually pretty obvious. I wear it on my sleeve. Um, and then how can I help for me answering the question, how, how others can help me? Um, if somebody sees something, talk to me about it. Talk through it. Um, by that, at that point, the problem's been rolling around in my head. And so, you know, I'm probably already ready to talk about it. Um, next question. How do you like feedback? Do you prefer it in Slack or chat, in email, in person? Like, how do you actually prefer to get that feedback? Now, the idea here, when I say feedback, I'm talking like constructive criticism, 
Yeah. Know, like, hey, you're doing this. I need you over uh, here. Yeah. Okay. That. So that's, yeah. Well, un, un, unspoken assumption. That's actually what I assumed it was, it was talking right. about. Yeah. I, my knee jerk is to say in person, but I almost think maybe not like mm. maybe an email or something because I'm a processor. I don't, you don't get good things from me on the spot. Like mm. I need time to go back and think about it. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question though. All right. Um, I like it. What about you? Uh, in person, if not in person, then on video, if not video, then phone in that order. So like order of operations, I never want the feedback in Slack or email or, or, you know, text message because so much nuance of the human yeah. interaction gets lost in there. Well, and so. that's, and that's why I need jerk to, to like highest fidelity, highest bandwidth yep. communication possible. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm still, I'm undecided. All right. When do you like feedback? Do you like it routinely in one-on-one? Immediately. So you, or as it happens, you want it immediately. <laughs> yeah. Me too. I, I mean, don't me wait. Too. Don't wait. Don't wait. If you've got something, get back to me. Yep. Like, totally like, agree. But, but for your interjection, I may not know that I did something distasteful. Yep. Get and the sooner early. I know, and the sooner I know about, the sooner yeah. I can course correct. Mm -hmm. I agree. Totally. Yeah. All right. That one's easy. How do you prefer to receive recognition in public or in private? I don't. You so private. It's just yeah. If you're if you've got to do it, then private. If you've got to do it, but you'd rather nothing at all. I, no. Hmm. Okay. I uh, I find that private is generally sufficient. Like if you as as my superior and I know that I did a good job and you're recognizing it and you see it, like that's a good enough. I think that that's necessary, though, which might be a little dis bit different from you. Like, I want that. I know that you know that you know that I know. You know, mm -hmm. I like that. I think that that's right. important. They're on some level, that is important. Um, private's generally sufficient, but if there's something of suitable weight, I think it should actually be public. If there is something significant, like, so for example, um, so uh, after Gary Foster passed away, uh, you know, the author of our, uh, of our read me here, um, they created an award in his honor called fostering excellence. Uh, everyone I spoke to at the company when I joined said that he was just amazing. He was just one of the best people that they ever had the pleasure of, of working under. Um, mm -hmm. and so they built an award sort of oriented at that. Um, I won that award my first year and oh, nice. Yeah. And it was, it's, it's sitting on my mantle in my, in my uh, family room. I'm, I was really, really proud of that. Um, it was public. We, they announced it at the Christmas party. And mm -hmm. I think that that should be public and that's okay. That's not, I mean, like, there, that's not ego talking expressly. Like, is it in there? No, sure, I, probably a little so bit, like, but like, like that's a thing that as a, as a, it's a, it's a public display and recognition and that just i mean no i 100 like i me as a as a a flawed you know fleshy human i don't like receiving recognition like i just don't right. just leave it alone like if we both know that i did a good job then you don't have to say it just i don't i don't know why i'm i'm an awkward person uh, right. but i will take every opportunity as publicly as possible to brag on my team at every op, at, I right. will take every opportunity to do that as loudly as possible. Classic, right? classic managerial hypocrisy in the good direction. Exactly. This is oh, yeah. Good. This no, is good. I, in the good direction. No. 
Um, the nice thing about standards is there are so many to choose from. I, <laughs> I, I love the double standard. Um, in my answer, I talk about the same idea that, you know, uh, occasionally letting everyone know that you've accomplished something with the team, letting the, it's not so much about you. It's letting the rest of your team celebrate with you. It's building that, that the team camaraderie, that's a rise. And I will tide say there are cases uh, just to, for the sake of conversation a little bit, um, there was a circumstance uh, in a, in a previous role um, where there was something happened and there was like a little bit of an HR component to it um, mm. without getting too specific. Um, and I then after, after all was said and done, um, I privately received recognition from my boss at the time, uh, the HR lead of the time, um, like, hey, really appreciate the way you handled it. Like that, that felt good in that circumstance because uh, I don't know, you know, when there's HR stuff involved, like there's a handbook and it almost never covers the it stuff that comes up that you have to deal up. with, right? Never. Because so, um, nobody wants it, to write that stuff down. Nobody wants to be on paper right. with it. <laughs> Right. Um, and so like being younger in my career and not knowing what was good, like that time I can say, and it was private because there was HR stuff involved. So it couldn't have been a public praise. It, was, right. it wouldn't have been appropriate. Right. Um, that is one time though, where I will say like, I really appreciated the recognition because I had no idea what I was doing. Yes. And then it turns out later on, kind of nobody did. Right. But the fact that a couple of different leaders within that company said like hey you really did well like we really appreciate that this was you know that that went a long way to making me whole for like all of the stress and agony that we went through during the thing you know um so just for sake of conversation i think it's really important when you're doing um when the when one party recognizes that the other party like hey you just went through a thing and you didn't really know what you were doing and you figured it out and you did a good job Letting that person know that they handled it well is important just because, practically speaking, it reinforces, okay, what you did, you made good choices. So when that situation arises again, do something like what you did before. That's a good, that's just practical. Forget the, forget the, yeah, the, and the accolades. It's just a good, it just makes sense that, okay, these are the things I want you to do moving forward. And I'm I'm always very careful of like, and and I try to give that kind of feedback, you know, post whatever event. Um, and I I in my own head, I try to be very cognizant of like, um, what it what is it called? R results based decision analysis, like right. like saying, oh, you your course of action, your thought process, your decision making was sound because it resulted in a positive outcome. Yeah, forget that's that. a fallacy. Like I want to focus in on what the thinking was, what the thoughts, what the actions were, what the behaviors were, what the motivations for those were, regardless of the outcome. Um, I want to focus in on whether or not the way that you approached the thing and the way that you conducted yourself was right or wrong. Because mm -hmm. um, everybody knows what the outcome is, positive or negative. You don't like it. Everybody knows the outcome. Like that's not, that's less interesting to me from a, I mean, as a, as a business leader, I need the outcomes to be, <laughs> More positive than negative, right? Right. Well, um, sure. Yeah. I mean, it goes without right. Saying. But that's that's table stakes, right? But what I want to reinforce uh, or correct is the approach to the problem solving because that will compound the team's success over the long term. Right. Yeah. I have been. In, I I too have dealt with HR situations that were extremely difficult. Hello, okay. fellow kids. Yeah. Yes. Hello, fellow <laughs> HR professional. And um, 
getting the feedback from others who have dealt with similar things that, yeah. that I hadn't and like, yeah, you did that mm-hmm. really well. You know, that was, that was good, especially given that it was your first yeah. time and so on. You like and that, helps, that's it's, it's really, it helps important. assuage your own like stress and oh, question gosh, marks. Yes. Like, did I a, do a good job? Like, is that the way that it men. should, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause like at the time you just blind, I have no idea what I'm doing. I think I'm screwing yeah. this up. And then to hear someone afterwards, Hey, you, you did fine. You did it. Cause Oh, thank God. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, I didn't screw the pooch. I yeah. didn't screw uh-huh. it up. That's right. That's right. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. I forget what I've lost the numbers. Next question. What makes a one-on-one meeting? Now, again, the definition here is a weekly one-on-one, weekly, bi-weekly one-on-one. Um, what makes the one-on-one most valuable for you? For me? Mm-hmm. For um, you as the recipient you know, this is your manager asking you the question. My manager asking me the question. It's it's got to be um. much. It's it's got to my knee jerk. Like I immediately think me giving my answers to my directs, not my boss. It's it's got to be like the the person, the connection, the like just the interpersonal relationship. Like mm-hmm. that's that's got to be the thing for me. Right. Um, if if it's me answering to my boss about what I get out of the one to one, it's it's that, but it's also all of the peripheral vision that he or she has that mm. I don't that they can share with me in that private forum, mm-hmm. so that I know okay over the next week or two weeks between the next time we meet, these are the other things that are going on, so that when I approach you with a problem or with a question or with something. I can try to put that into better perspective before I raise it to you. Right. Okay. Um, That's, and yes, the the idea here is when you fill this out, you are filling it out as if your boss is asking you these questions. So you are responding as the, the, the um, subordinate, which is, I mean, again, think about the optics of what's going on here. You then turn around and you hand this to your team. It's a very, um, it's a very servant leadership, you know, mm-hmm. lead from alongside kind of approach yeah. here, you know? So, um, so your second answer would be the one that you would want to write down. Uh, for me, it all comes back to relationship building. I don't care really about what the topic is. In fact, a lot of times if it's a nonsense topic or a, a non-work, direct work related topic, I find those are the most important because building the relationship improves communication effectiveness. That's the thing yeah. that I need. All other problems get get iced over when you've got because good as you, communication. Yeah, as as you learn more about the other person, hello, person, not professional, right? Uh-huh. As you learn more about the other person, you become better equipped to communicate with them. You build trust, and so you build a common vernacular. You build, you know, it's 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 all relational. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, it's I, all 100% agreed. Yep. Um. All right. What are your goals for this year and for the next three months? Um, this is obviously going to change yeah. know, over time. So, um, you know, what we can just answer for like the time being, like, what are your goals for this year? Not get fired. That's my big, that's top of the list, right? Don't get fired. That's, that's just um, good job. Don't, Fantastic. Right? Like, can you do better than that? I mean, try to top me, try I, to top me, maybe I, not die, was, not it, die would, would, 
are these top answers or bottom answers? Because these feel like <laughs> minimum requirements to me, not not actual high bar achievements. <laughs> oh, man. I think you're looking at these the wrong so, way. <laughs> so to get to, uh, you know, so 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 to give a real answer and and to get and to get like super specific, my my personal goal over the next three months, just to be, you know, candid um is to build a better relationship with my management staff and to be better about setting expectations. Um, this is, so to be clear, that, your management staff are the people who report to you. Correct. Because these yes. are managers themselves. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So the managers that report to me, my my goal over the next three months um, is to, because I've got some folks uh, that have been doing it a while. I've got some folks that are uh, new managers um, and I've got some folks that have a bunch of management experience, but I'm newly working with them. Mm -hmm. um, and then I've got some folks that I've been working with for years. Um, and so what I'm trying to put together is some sort of front, which, you know, hello, like my name is Chris and I suck and I'm trying to suck less tomorrow because that's mm -hmm. the whole point here. I realize that I have never collated a single packet of information that's documented for my management staff in terms of actually like what I expect of them day to day, week to week, quarter to quarter. And so I'm taking this as an opportunity to say, look, this is the bar against which I'm measuring you. Mm -hmm. For those that have been with me a while, um, I haven't done a good job here. I always say that my job is to make yours a success. I haven't documented, like I haven't physically formally put into paper what success looks like. So how the hell are you supposed to know exactly. when to come to me and yep. what to come to me for yep. if I've not made that super clear? We all kind of have an intuitive sense of what our jobs are. And for the folks that have been with me for a while, I could say they know what the job is. But could they enumerate the things that I care about the most? I, I would hope so. But hope is not a plan, right? So for them, it's it's affirming that this is what I need from you. And from the folks who are experienced managers but new to me and then especially the ones that are new managers and new to my team here i'm defining in the outset like this is what success looks like this is what you'd be measured on this is what i need to see from you and so, and so it's like this moment where i realized holy crap i have been hugely delinquent in my responsibility mm. this is the kick in the like now i can say all right this is what we need. We're going to level set. We're going to have common things across the board. And, and, you know, so that's, that's my goal is, is to, is to establish that, to inculcate, like to really, to really go deep on that and, and get something formal nice. right, that I can be proud of. And that drives results and drives a better relationship and better expectations. Very good. Yeah. I mean, having it written down, it's got to be written down. If there's one thing, right. Yeah. Like, I mean, how did I, how did I miss this? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a, um, it's, it's easy to do because everything you're doing is so, is so much it's, it's human interaction. I mean, yeah. why do I need to write anything down? I'm just going to get on the I phone. I just told talk it. With you. I just told you it, to you. right? I just told it to yeah. you. And I'm going to tell you next week and we're going to meet all the time. Why do I need to write anything down? And there is something about, like you and I went through this when we, when we had for software, like we, took the time to build a contract, like an actual legitimate, here's ownership, here's responsibilities, here are the breakpoints, mm -hmm. here, you know, all that kind of stuff. Despite the fact that at that point we had already been known and worked together for like a decade at that point. Yeah. Like I knew that it was going to be solid. And yet we went through that exercise of writing things down. Why? 
because the exercise itself, it further reinforces the the good vibes of the relationship. Um, you know, if you- it, Defense it, in depth. Defense in depth, but also like it builds further trust and there mm-hmm. it eliminates, it, it shines light in all the dark corners. And so you there is no- there's no niggling, oh, well, what about, what if this, and that, that. you don't have any of that kind of what if well, and the, and the to transparency, worry about. And the in transparency, in my experience, the, yeah. the transparency makes it, so you can say this, but it's harder to do it without a physical artifact, without something yes. actually in writing. Yes. When you say, oh, it's not me versus you, it's us versus the problem. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Focus it's on the problem. Something not on the documented. Individual. Mm-hmm. It gives you an enemy to orient against. Right. right? That's what we, we as humans, we naturally other, do right? that. No. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, my wife and I, we're we're big into like personal finance topics. We do a monthly budget. I have a spreadsheet. We create a new spreadsheet for the new month, um, and we talk about the things. I I don't I couldn't tell you the last time we had a money fight if we ever had. Right. As long as we've been doing this, and like sadly in our culture, like money fights are a big cause of domestic yeah. issues right yes, and that's really are. sad um but anyway we don't we, we don't and and when we do disagree it's like on the last day of the month looking at the next month's budget because do we want to buy a new deck chair or a new playstation or whatever now obviously the PlayStation, the PlayStation. is the right I mean, way to spend your money right don't be ridiculous like, come on now. let's <laughs> let's not be juvenile here we all know what the right answer <laughs> is all, i mean there's um, only one right answer come on <laughs> but that's so but that's but that's a good example where I think um and I know it's not like a professional like workplace example, but it's us versus the problem. And it's never been us versus even if we have a shared understanding about what our long-term goals are, there's the con- there's where the rubber meets the road. Um, right. Anyway, and I I just I see now what a huge gap it is that I don't have this for my reports. Yeah. And I can envision what a huge thing that will be for the team to have it. Well, and and you got to think, um, as soon as you have, I mean, it's it's important for any team, but as soon as you have more yeah. than one layer, it becomes oh even gosh. more important because now, now the, you, you have an anchor point for conversations between leaders and subordinates where you're not in the room. And so there's a thing that if either party Survives in that relationship being a part of the meeting, right, they yeah. can actually refer to like, hmm, okay, so how you know, uh, you know, how would Chris like us to handle this? They can mutually agree to work based off of the based off of those arguments, or if they don't, they can bring the question to you without it becoming a he said, she said type of argument. And again, it 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 gives a focal point of a villain, if you will, you know to to rally around rather than being antagonistic towards each other. Um this is really important. That's why um uh values and and those those sorts of things at a company level become really important especially at the higher levels of the company because the values and the expectations are used by leaders in the company to keep the CEO and other top level employees honest because they can't call them out directly. That that just doesn't work. But if you can couch it around, well, this isn't our mission, our vision, our values. Here's how you're you're running afoul of that. You're you you're able to hang your hat on something that actually sits above any individual authority. And so you're doing the same thing here. And so and it's it actually been hard. it pushes your your 
style out to your entire organization is really important. Yeah. And one of the reasons it's always been hard for me is because I like I I preach like principles over rules. Mm-hmm. Because rules, you always need another one. How many rules oh, do we need? Well, just one more, right? And they're all, one less but a as principle. Far as I'm concerned. Yeah, right. But but a principle transcends specific circumstances and exceptions and edge cases, and it provides guidance on how to think about the problems and solutions, rather than prescribing that in X event do Y and then Z and then if you know th- that kind of a thing. If then else mm-hmm. if. Yeah. Try catch. And it's like, <laughs> and, right. And that's and and that's one of the things that I've started to vocalize more recently to my directs. I don't I don't want to I don't want to delegate you tasks. I want to delegate outcomes. Mm-hmm. You take care I, of how it gets done. I don't need to think I, for you. Right. You got your that's own. What the hell you're getting paid? You have for, a fully right? that's functional prefrontal cortex. Go use the damn thing. Right. I I give you. I give you the responsibility for the outcome. That means you have, I trust that you have the wherewithal to figure it out on your own, to come to me if you have questions or challenges, and otherwise, you know, get it done in spirit of what the the, the reigning set of principles are going back to that, right? That's it. To, to exactly. go any farther than that is like, smells a lot like micromanagement, and that yeah. sucks for, like. Sure as hell doesn't no smell good. like teen spirit. No, no. It, that was bad. I'm sorry. I had a mini, I had a mini heart attack. Uh, it was a literal shower thought. It's funny this comes up literally this morning because you were talking about how you have like then an artifact that's like your directs can take on your behalf. Like when mm-hmm. you're not there, um, I had a mini heart attack. I, I, so my my org right now is is still fairly flat. I've got uh, managers reporting to me and a host of folks reporting to them, and that's it. It's kind of like two layers. That's two it. layers, and that's it. Um, sure. I I had a mini heart attack thinking like, oh, I can conceive a mid, you know, not immediate near future, but like I can conceive when like there's another layer in between at some point. Mm -hmm. I had a moment like just grappling in fear of like, how in the hell are you supposed to manage that? Like as I, you know, as I grow and advance in my own career and ability and, and it's like, do I... Because trust is not transitive, right? Like, like I trust you and you trust your wife, but do I trust your wife? Like, it doesn't exactly work. No, I mean, there's a, the, the signal, the signal fall off is pretty dramatic yeah, past it's the first, pretty intense. For, past the first um, stage. Yep. And it's not just, it, it's not just trust, a trust thing, but like communication and all mm-hmm. the things start to, and I, I was like, am I ready for that? When it is like, if that's going to happen, am I ready for that? I don't. Mm-hmm. Emotionally, no, no, I do. I do not feel ready for that. <laughs> well, um, and, and but you can get ready for it with things like this because you, yeah. you, I mean, this would exactly, be, I mean, exactly. For, for a suitably large enough audience, you're going to need to do a bunch of this in a bunch of different ways so that they have things that they can refer back to. Document, document, document. Yeah. It's all about that. It's not about rules. It's not about le- regulations. It's about here's you know. Answers to specific questions, you know, or to even general questions. Here's how I think about these things. Here's how I would like these things to be solved. And then if you deal with special exceptions, then you address individual exceptions and then you update documentation accordingly. That's, you know, it's, it's the same way that you build an app in that sense. Um, okay. So that was a, it was a big old sidebar, but I like it. Mm -hmm. Uh, all right. Back on this, we're almost done. 
with our um, leadership readme here. So that was goals for this year. And you said the next three months, I, I think uh, IAS and the next three months. And I, I think that pretty well covers it for me. Uh, I just started a new, I joined a new comp, a relatively young company. I'm taking over a new team. I'm in the 90 day window here of, you know, 90 day manager type type mm-hmm. scenario of getting things, mm-hmm. get myself situated. And then in the honeymoon phase, you don't yeah. know what's going on. Nobody else does. Yeah. Yeah. That. And, um, I mean, making over the year, make the company a success. I mean, we, we want to hit, you know, we want to hit some, some investment and, uh, and customer goals. So, um, pretty easy for me to answer right now. All right. Next question. What do you need from your manager? Very little, it turns out. Um, I, uh, so my boss and I, we have a good relationship. Uh, we don't, <laughs> we don't bug each other unless we need to, and we don't need to that often. <laughs> Very good. Uh, he does his thing. I do my thing. We trust each other to like, you know, um, and, and we've developed, like, we have a very good, uh, you know, disagree and commit type. So I've gone to him and I've been like, no, this is the wrong thing to do. He says, this is what we're doing. Okay, so if I'm going to make that happen, this is what I need. He says, here it is, and then we're done. Like, that, we have a really great um, rapport. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, what I need is just, like, a little bit of time every other week to stay in touch. Because mm-hmm. I know what I got to get done as long as I know I have your ear when I need it. And from time to time, I'm good, man. Mm-hmm. I'm like really low maintenance. Nice. Okay. Um, I, I, I didn't want to caveat it, but um, I already had the perfect first, last, and only answer you ever need to that question. Um, courtesy of Gary Foster. So remember, I, he had one of these written up. I forked it. I replaced right, all right. of the answers. This was the one answer I just kept verbatim because I could not see a way you to improve it. left whole cloth? It. I left whole right, cloth. This is the only one because it's literally there's no improvement. So check this out. What do you need from your manager? This is what everyone needs from every manager ever in the history of anything. All right? So this is it. That's all you need. I started that late. All right. Open communication and honesty at all times. If you are dealing with a problem and I can be of help, let me know. If I'm the problem, let me know. If I'm not the problem, but I can have an impact on it, let me know. I should never be surprised about where I stand with you, my team, or my company. Full stop. Wow. Nothing else to say. Holy dude. Damn straight. Can I... I, can I change Gary my wins. answer? <laughs> <laughs> like Foster for the win on that one. It, it, I mean, Gary for the that win. That is spot He's, on. He, he nailed it. He totally freaking nailed it. I can't see any way to improve that. I just don't see any but, way to improve that. What more do you need from a manager? What, is, what more? That's it. Wow. And so again, think about this. Do the meta thought process here. Okay. Of putting yourself like, is, is that really what you do with your, with the people who report to you? I mean, do you deliver open communication and honesty? Do you tell them about problems that you're dealing with that they can help with? You know, do you tell them when they're the problem? Do you tell them when they might be able to help? Even if you're not sure, even if they're not part of it directly, do you do that? I mean, it's, it's a great, it's just yeah. great. It works on so many levels. It's awesome. Um, all right. And so that's what you need from your manager. Um, what do you need from your team? Now, this would be, now your team, again, you're being asked by your manager. So this would be like your colleagues, your coworkers, the people around you. They may not necessarily be under you. They may be in the same department. They could be in 
uh, other departments. So it's, it's think of it, you know, like your radius, mm -hmm. generally speaking. What do you need from your team? I don't now I'm afraid to give any answer that isn't Foster's I, last answer. There is no other last there, question. This is the only Foster. Because I think I think but mind. I think I think some of the same thing applies. Right. If I'm gonna given how excellent that that perspective is, mm -hmm. I don't see that that doesn't also apply to your directs mm -hmm. and to your what it appears. Mm -hmm. Transparency and communication. If yeah. I'm a problem, tell me about it. If I can help with your problem, tell me about it. I mean, yeah, I, true. Yeah. Like, I don't, not that that's just like, it's not that that just isn't like ringing loudly in my ear at the moment. It's that honestly, that answer applies 360 yeah. in my mind. True. It does. Um, I did answer this one separately. Um, I, I asked for zero hesitation to bring problems or questions, which is sort of in line with what you just said. Yeah. I think, um, I think in the, in the same spirit, um, offering to help and, you know, just being willing to share war-torn wisdom here. It's about getting trenches level knowledge up and out tribal mm -hmm. knowledge. Like you've got to be willing and everybody has to speak up. That's not a thing that just, you know, the lead can do. It actually has to come ground up from individuals. Yeah. Otherwise that some of that, those little nuggets of wisdom never, never surface. Um, all right. And then I did, a, there is another quiz. So, what you need from your manager, what you need from your team. And then there is actually a third one, what you need from your peers. That would be things uh, outside of your immediate team, outside your department. So I did a bad job describing that. I apologize. Um, but it sounds like you answered that pretty, pretty similarly. Yeah. And when I think, when I think peers, I think those, um, those who share my same manager and then also kind of anyone else in that general kind of yeah. level yeah. across departments, you know? Yeah. I think that I, I agree. Um, I actually think that I could probably combine those. I'm actually looking as we've been talking through this, I've been taking some notes on revisions that I'll probably make to my, to my readme here as we go, but, um, okay. And then the very last question and obviously the most important, what is your favorite baked good? Favorite baked good. Um, yikes. Either, uh, either cheesecake or shoe fly pie. Ooh. Okay. Uh, for me, yours? donuts, preferably donuts. donuts, preferably with sprinkles filled with cream covered in icing, other just deliciously awful, like the most convoluted donut you could possibly imagine. There was a place we I, I'm going to have to next time you're down here, we're, uh, we have a place that makes a, a maple bacon donut. <gasps> I think it sounds like it's right up your alley. Oh, next right time you're in the area. Right. Yes. I got yes. you. I got you. Fam. Road trip. <laughs> Road trees. <laughs> All right. For those uh, still listening, Frank grabbed his keys and left his <laughs> his chair is now spinning because he ran from his desk so fast. So I will try to close this episode out. <laughs> well, Dave, give me a second here, and you'll be able to do just that. Uh, just a just a side story. The um, one of the places I used to work had this donut shop nearby, and they had a donut that was you know how they do cream filled donuts. These guys mm -hmm. went. Screw that. We're not just filling it with cream. We're going to take the donut, no hole, cut it in half and just sandwich the cream in there. So you had the cream sandwich donut. Oh, oh my gosh. So good. I don't know why more people don't do that, but go ahead and uh, go ahead and take us out of what here. If We're already mixed, a few minutes later. What if you mix miniature donut holes into your icing and filled a donut? 
with that. This sounds like, now you're starting to sound like crazy. This is like the crazy crap that Domino's comes up with for their crazy pizza concoctions. You know how they come up yeah. with some, the next weird thing to do with the crust? That's now, yeah. now you're doing that with donuts. You've got a cream filled donut hole that you put back in the donut hole. <sighs> with the cream. I, oh I just, I'm just the idea guy. I just, <laughs> If you have ideas uh, for off-the-wall donuts, um, uh, please uh, email us, feedback at refactor.work. Uh, give us an email, or uh, we'd love you to send a voice recording with your phone. Love to hear your to lovely us. voices. We'll play that on the show, and we'll make you sound like an ass, guaranteed. We have uh, show notes, archives, book recommendations, picks, uh, anything you need at refactor.work. You can find my ramblings online at tonkinson.com. Uh, and you can find Frank's at hotcoals, K-O-E-H-L-S dot com. This has been episode 70. It just, it sounds like a lot. 70. It kind of is a lot. Like it, it kind of is. May 31st, 2022. Thanks a lot, Frank. Always a pleasure, buddy.